Is Adrian Amos about to become the newest member of the Baltimore Ravens? We talk about that and much more coming up next here on this Monday edition of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I am your host, as always, here at Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, thank you so much for tuning in here, making us your first listen each and every day on the show, friend available, all podcasting platforms, including a video form over on YouTube. So whether you're an everyday or you tune in every day, or this is your first time, or maybe you're coming back for the first time in a while, welcome in or welcome back to the show here and you can subscribe for free no money involved here on locked on ravens and we're a five day a week ravens podcast monday through friday so if you want ravens content news updates if you are a family member wants those updates be sure to tune in here on locked on ravens so we have a lot to dive into a new week here the ravens schedule coming out on thursday we now know not just who they're going to play but when they're going to play and there were some interesting quirks. We talked about it throughout the course of, you know, we did a Thursday night live stream, a Friday show as well. We'll kind of continue to discuss that a bit in the second segment. But in the first segment, I want I want to talk about a player that has been linked to the Ravens who has visited the Ravens. And that is Adrian Amos, the safety, former Green Bay Packer, first started with the Chicago Bears. And there's been, there's been a lot of smoke surrounding the Ravens and Adrian Amos. So I want to talk about that and whether he is on his way to maybe becoming the newest member of this defense. So we'll dive into Adrian Amos, what he would bring, the positional value, etc. here in the first part of the show. Then in the final part of the show, I do want to dive a bit into the AFC North. This is something I want to expand on. I think I might do it either this week in a, in a show later down the line or in the next couple of weeks. Just, you know, just AFC North storylines. I will do kind of a mini storyline segment for the AFC North, at least as it is right now in the final segment. So a ton to dive into today on the show. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Let's start off with Adrian Amos here. Ravens potential, potential free agent signing. Nothing's happened yet at the time of this recording. But after the Lamar Jackson extension, the Rocky Asin signing, feels like, you know, the Ravens might not necessarily be done. They have some room to be able to maneuver. Again, I don't know if it's going to be a huge move. Like, look, Jair Alexander would be great. (laughs) But I just, I don't think a trade for him is going to happen at this point. I feel like. Even if the Ravens, you know, they had the option for one big move or a couple smaller moves. Look, I would love a, a Jair Alexander type move, but I would I would lean realistically them probably looking at the maybe one, two, three smaller ish moves. Now, how many of those they make, who knows? But we know the Ravens have still, I believe, a need at corner. Definitely a need at, at the edge outside linebacker position. You know, you can make an argument for possibly safety, possibly on the defensive line, even possibly offensive line. But Adrian Adrian Amos visited the Ravens back in March. I think it was right around late-ish March. And back then you're kind of thinking, well, you know, what are you doing here? Lamar's not signed. They still hadn't signed a wide receiver up to that point. Maybe Nelson Aguilar had signed at that point. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really remember. But even so, it's like you've only signed Nelson Aguilar or you haven't even made that move yet. Putting the cap dollars and safety on wide receiver was such a huge need and corner was such a huge need. Didn't really make a lot of sense. But when that happened, I said on the show that when we talked about when the visit happened, you know, maybe this is just the Ravens keeping tabs. We've seen them do this before. I know for a lot of people, Des Bryant comes to mind in that regard. 
where they'll bring someone in and then say, hey, look, we like what you have here. We, we can't bring you in right now, but we'd love to have you on speed dial, right? There's like a speed dial call. You know, you call them up like, do, 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 do. And then you say, okay, Adrian, we'd love to have you in now. You know, we have the room, we have the opportunity, and we have, even if it just comes down to cap dollars. Now, Adrian Amos himself, just a, a bit of a background on him. Baltimore guy, you know, grew up in Baltimore, Calvert Hall grad, just turned 30 years old. Has made a name for himself in this league, a very solid player since coming in to the league in 2015, played four years with Chicago, signed a big money deal with Green Bay, then played four years there. His kind of moved around, has had his fair share of, of free safety and strong safety experience. I would classify him more as a strong safety. The Ravens don't need a free safety with Marcus Williams in there. Actually had his highest c- combined tackle total in 2022 with 102, his first time breaking 102 or just 100 in general tackles in, in an NFL uniform. I think he's steadily, at least steadily improved in that area. Now, Green Bay fans will tell you, you know, his, his play kind of tailed off a little bit towards the end of last season. That's probably why he's still not signed yet. A, a player who isn't necessarily around the football, at least didn't start off that way, but has had at least one interception in every season since 2017, including four straight seasons of two interceptions, sandwiched in between a couple of, of one interception years in both 2017 and last year in 2022. He's someone who I think would fill a Chuck Clark role where the Ravens trade Chuck Clark to the Jets. Obviously, there was some, you know, I think unhappiness for Chuck Clark and what his role was with the Ravens. Sucked it up and and played last year and a bunch of credit to him for doing so, but wanted wanted a different role. The Ravens signed Marcus Williams. They draft Kyle Hamilton. The writing was kind of on the wall there. So Adrian Amos, I think, would come in and would still be able to provide that type of role. And people, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably asking, why in the world? Would they bring in a safety when you just talked about it, right? They signed Marcus Williams. They draft Kyle Hamilton. They have Geno Stone. I really like Geno Stone. I think Geno Stone is going to be a really big piece of them this year, even, you know, in the event of Amos coming in or not. But then you also have the news now. John Harbaugh talked about it at rookie minicamp that Brandon Stevens is going to play more a safety role for them this year. So where is this like, where's the need to bring in an Adrian Amos when clearly corner is the position that they need? Well, the, the big thing is with the Rocky Essien signing, Rocky Essien's a, a pure, pure outside guy. You know, you're not going to put him in the slot. The, the, one of the big questions for Baltimore is who's going to play in the slot for them? Because Kyle Hamilton was the one who did it for them last year for the most part and did it very well. You know, you had Pepe Williams play in there a little bit. Some other guys here and there, we know Marlon Humphrey can do it if needed, but I'd prefer him on the outside for the most part. So I think while, you know, you like that versatility – I'd, I'd, I'd much rather have that as a, a backup or last resort option. What Adrian Amos would, I think, allow the Ravens to do is if a Pepe Williams doesn't work in the slot, if they try Ardarius Washington in the slot, it doesn't work, let's say. They have the ability to put Kyle Hamilton there. I would like to see Kyle Hamilton in more of that, you know, traditional safety, even playing a little bit of Chuck Clark's role. But the Ravens have proven that they can make these three safety rotations work, especially when it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have one free, one strong, and one dime linebacker. You can have one guy play in the slot. You don't need, you don't need to necessarily have a dime linebacker or two guys deep the entire time because Marcus Williams can play that Roma role, single high coverage. He can play that role for them. So the Amos thing, I think, makes sense on, on just a, a generic basic level. I think if you're talking about why would you bring Amos in over Marcus Peters or another corner, let's say, 
Marcus Peters, again, is a pure outside guy. You know, you're not going to put him in the slot. That still has the question of, well, if you choose Peters over Amos, are, are you going to have the ability to all of a sudden move Marlon Humphrey inside? You could do that, right, if that's the last resort. But again, I think the Ravens, in my personal preference, would be to keep him on the outside as best as you can. So maybe it's both, right? Maybe they sign Amos, they sign Peters or another corner and everything. You know, you can do whatever you want there in that secondary. But I think people look at the room safety-wise right now and say, why would they need to do that? Why would they need to bring in Adrian Amos, who I still think has a couple good good years left? You know, is he a star? No. But I think he can fill a role for them and would not come necessarily as this guy who's going to cost, like, $10 million per season. That's just, it's it's not how it's going to work. I mean, Amos is coming off a deal with the Packers that ended up being $9 million per season. And Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus does a, a great job kind of projecting contracts. He's actually usually on the money with these deals. And, and he projects Adrian Amos at a two-year, $12.5 million deal, 6.25 mil average annual value there. So I, I would assume that maybe that has, has dropped a little bit. That was the projection back in March. I would assume that would that would drop a little bit just based off the timing here where it just doesn't seem like teams necessarily are lining up out the door. I think he, he would have signed by now if that were the case. So look, you know, if it happens, it happens. But I think it, I think it was Jeff Rebick at The Athletic. Don't full quote me on that yet. I'm going to go back and check who it was. But I think he said that there is mutual interest between the Ravens and Adrian Amos to potentially get a deal done. So we'll see if that materializes in the, in the coming days, coming weeks here. But at the end of the day, I think the Ravens, they just, they need a, a little bit more in their secondary. I, I am a lot more content after they sign Rocky Yassin and they draft Caillou Blue Kelly. But I just think they need one, like, even if it's just one, if it's just Adrian Amos and they want to, do the whole, we're going to put Humphrey and Rackerson on the outside, try Kyle Hamilton at nickel a little more because it worked, then so be it. If it's signing Marcus Peters and you're, you're kind of rolling with, is it Pepe Williams in the slot? Is it, is it Ardarius Washington? So be it. I just think they need one guy. I don't, I don't think Amos would be a bad signing. I, I don't. Is it the position they need? No. You know, I, I don't think they need to sign a safety, but if, if he's the guy for them, I think the way that Mike McDonald runs this defense, he can play a role for them that will allow – other guys to be freed up in ways that I think Mike McDonald really wants. So we'll see how it all ends up for Baltimore. But coming up next in our show here, we're going to be diving into the schedule, continue to dive into some of the quirks, the, the good ones and the bad ones about Baltimore 2023 full schedule. So be sure to stay tuned and ton to dive into on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And by Denver Nuggets, they're in the conference finals. So if you want to head over to FanDuel and, and place some bets on the money line or point spreads and Nikola Jokic props, you can do that. They have great promotions every day. They're a safe and secure app and you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit Fandle.com slash locked on. Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's Fandle.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with you on this Monday. Thank you for tuning in and making us your first listen each and every day. Everydayers or first timers or if you're in between, I appreciate you. This is episode 986 for me. It's crazy. 14 more to 1,000. It's, it's I've if you've heard me do the spiel before, but 2019 in August was my first episode of this show. And if you want to go. Do, do the history, the time capsule, whatever you call it. 
Marquise Brown was drafted. Lamar's gearing up for his MVP season. A lot has changed since then, but I'm glad one thing hasn't, and that's Lamar Jackson's the quarterback of the team. And I'm glad I'm I'm glad that what hasn't changed is I'm still the host. I'm really happy I'm still the host of the show. But let's talk about the schedule because the Ravens they opened up against Miami that year in, in 2019. We all know what happened then. You know, 50 plus point drubbing of the Dolphins. That's the Week One Ravens are for real. And the Week One Ravens this year are going to have the opportunity to play the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud appears you know Pierce he'll he'll be the guy to suit up for Houston that's a rookie quarterback the Ravens have historically feasted on rookie quarterbacks so week one Ravens you know Lamar week one Lamar Jackson week one John Harbaugh etc etc I mean look look week one Rashad Bateman did it to the Jets right Devin Duvernay caught a touchdown in that game so I I think Baltimore will hopefully you know no I don't want to jinx anything here but I'm hoping that with CJ Stroud at the helm and with that Texans team, I, th- I think they ha- they have a lot of pieces now, but it's going to take them. It's not their year this year. So hopefully Baltimore can get up to a strong. I'd, it'd be pretty disastrous, honestly, if they lost that game. But regardless, that's their first week. Baltimore, we talked about this on our live stream on Thursday and our show on Friday where we do an official record prediction. It, way too early one at that, but be sure to check those out. Baltimore plays their three divisional road games, all three of them, first five weeks of the season. Week two, they go on the road to play Cincinnati. Week four, they have another divisional bout. That time, it's going to be with the Cleveland Browns. And then week five, they're headed to Pittsburgh to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's a huge stretch for them. Honestly, the first five weeks, if you want to throw Tennessee in there in the London game in week six, you can do that. But those first five weeks, they're going to be they're going to be a tone setting week, or all those games are going to be tone setting weeks. Because you have the two rookie quarterbacks plus three divisional games. The other rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson, in week three against the Colts. Again, presumably, presumably, it's going to be Anthony Richardson. If it's not, I, I really don't know who it would be. I, I'm going to assume it's going to be him. So you want to get off, you want to win at least those two games. Now, the divisional games are going to be huge. And I said it on the on the stream and on the show on Friday. I always have given like a medium level emphasis on the AFC record. I'm putting so much into it this year. Like you have to win as many of these games. And that's what it is every year. You, you want to win as many games as you can. AFC and NFC, but the way the AFC conference is this year, and we'll we'll get into this more a little bit in the third segment when we talk about the AFC North, but this is such a stacked conference. Like it is, it is unreal how, how stacked this conference is this year. There are going to be one, two, three pretty good quarterbacks, you know, from star level to great level to even like pretty good level that are not going to make the playoffs this year. And you're going to sit there and you're going to think, how in the world did this guy not make the playoffs? It's because the conference is just so unbelievably stacked. I mean, just off the top of my head, you have in the AFC North alone, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Kenny Pickett. Those are four guys. In the AFC East, it's Josh Allen, Tua Tungavailoa. There are other options now there with Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. Like, that's another guy you have to watch out for. I'm not really putting too much stock in a Mac Jones. AFC, AFC South, it's Trevor Lawrence. I mean, again, I don't think CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson are there yet. Ryan Tannehill, I'm, I'm not putting too much stock there. But AFC West, it's Justin Herbert. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's now Jimmy Garoppolo over in Las Vegas. And it's Russell Wilson, who look, had a terrible year last year, but maybe he's going to bounce back. So many quarterbacks in the, in this AFC conference. We're looking at the divisional games and AFC games in general. We know. We know how these games can have a profound impact. Just one loss in a conference like this can impact division races, can impact seeding races, can impact 
wild card races can impact your ability to make the playoffs. So going two and one in the division in those first three games, you know, the first five weeks there, it's going to be huge. I think getting off to a good start is paramount is, is so big for them, you know, five and one, four and two in those first six weeks where they're going to be traveling a lot. Again, three AFC road games, AFC North road games, and then the London game right after that Pittsburgh game. Then they come home in week seven. They have, I'd call this the easier part of their schedule. They play Detroit in week seven at home, then end up going back on the road, though. You know, they travel the six most miles this year. They go back on the road. They play the Cardinals, back at home for Seattle, Cleveland at home, Cincinnati at home, and then the Chargers away before their bye. The Ravens have four primetime games this year. It doesn't start till week 11. They have a Thursday night game. That's their Cincinnati Thursday night game on Prime Video. Then they have the Sunday night game against the Chargers. Jacksonville will be 8.20 p.m. Sunday night. Then San Francisco Christmas Day or Christmas night, I guess, because it's nighttime, 8.15 on ABC. So those are going to be key games too. But again, you don't you don't want to be fighting to make up ground, especially in a conference like this. It's six straight AFC opponents. Then they actually have three straight NFC ones. But again, you know, people, the AFC games are going to be more important than the NFC games just from multiple perspectives. That doesn't mean you just punt the NFC games and lose them. And obviously, like teams know that, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not of the mindset like, oh yeah, go out there and, and, you know, just get healthy for the AFC games or get healthy for your conference games. It's not how it works. You want to win every game. But in that stretch, if they drop, if they are able to go six and oh, like, like, let's just say it. If they're able to go six and zero in their first six weeks, or five and one, or even four and two, if they drop the game to Detroit, if they drop the game to Seattle, Arizona, hopefully Lamar just goes out and balls out after that again that crazy tweet. I hope he just absolutely balls out in that game. But if you lose one or two of those NFC games, it's not going to hurt you as much as losing the divisional games. It's not going to hurt you as much as losing an AFC conference game. That's just literally what it is <laughs> where if you are fighting, like let's say, you know, season doesn't go necessarily as planned and you're kind of fighting for the six or the seven, you're in that like six, seven, eight, nine range. This isn't, there's no playing tournament. You know, it's not the NBA. There's no playing tournament. It's either you're in, you're out. That's what it is. You know, playoff start. If you're outside of that playoff picture, there is no getting in. There is none of that. So if you're in that race and it comes down to an AFC record and you're five and six or whatever, and another team is six and five, that's it. You're out. So you got to place a huge emphasis if you're the Ravens on that beginning part and then closing out strong too. You know, again, the middle ish part of their year, I think win a, you know, some winnable games in there. I think a lot of these games are winnable and you know, you can say any game is winnable, but the Rams coming out of the bye. You have the the Jaguars, the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. I think all those games are winnable. Are they going to be easy? No, they're not going to be easy games. I think the Rams, you know, if you, if you have to pick one of those games to be easy, I think it would be the Rams one. But the Jaguars, really good team. 49ers, really good team. Dolphins, really good team. Steelers, really good team. Those last four games, it's going to be tough, you know. So you, you got to capitalize on the games you're supposed to win. You know, they're, they're going to be favored in that Rams game barring unforeseen circumstances by a lot in that Arizona game by a lot Seattle Detroit probably not as much but probably still favored Tennessee a lot Indianapolis a lot Houston a lot so those the Ravens every year I I talk about it every year and this is every team it's not just Baltimore but we see it with them because obviously you know we're watching them we're covering them etc the Ravens a couple times a year will play down to an opponent and either just barely squeak out a win or lose to a team they're supposed to beat pretty handedly 
and then they will play up to a team and either almost win or beat a team they're supposed to lose to. That's just what it is. It's any given Sunday. I think we saw that way more last year. Like, yo, it was a crazy league last year. But they're going to have to capitalize and win these games they're supposed to win, especially with this revamped offense, with the defense playing the way it did last year. There are a lot of opportunities for them. I actually do like the way the schedule dropped. The Week 13 bye week is it's it's not ideal, but you know we'll get into the final segment with some of these AFC North teams have to deal with there. So coming up in our final segment, we'll dive into the AFC North, do a mini-ish preview, mini storylines for the AFC North and what it could mean for the Ravens and the other teams in that division. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to dive into on the show. We're back here. Our final segment, Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with you on this Monday. So thank you for tuning in here, whether you're on your way to work, on your way from work, just lounging around, listening or watching. I appreciate each and every person who is tuning in. Be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel on YouTube, follow along in audio form as well for, again, Daily Ravens content five days per week. So now in the final segment, I do want to talk AFC North. And honestly, I kind of thought about this and it prompted me to talk about it. Well, what did prompt me to talk about it was the Browns trade. The Browns traded for former Raven, very familiar face here in Baltimore, Zadarius Smith from the Minnesota Vikings this time. Obviously, it was a weird tenure for Zadarius Smith in Minnesota. I mean, only lasted one year for them, but. It, it's kind of crazy how it worked where Sedarius Smith goes to Green Bay following his rookie contract in Baltimore, ends up getting cut by the Packers going to Minnesota. But how he got there was he signed with Baltimore. Well, quote unquote signed, you know, air quotes on that. But then saw the Von Miller deal, saw the Chandler Jones deal, said, I want more money and ended up saying, yeah, we're going to rework these terms. And the Ravens said, okay, they did it. And then Sedarius Smith said, oh, maybe not. I want to do it again. The Ravens said, okay, you're, you're great. Get out of here. So he sat in Minnesota and had a solid year there. Like he was good for them. Now he's in Cleveland. It just it didn't work out. Zedaria Smith is a good player. And, and the Browns, I think, traded what two fifths for Zedaria Smith and a sixth or something like that. So I, I like the deal for Cleveland. But what, what prompted me to talk about the North is because I think a lot of teams, including the Ravens, the Ravens are now in that conversation. But a lot of teams, in fact, I think every single one in the AFC North have made really good moves this offseason. I mean, just speaking of Cleveland in general, you know, the Darius Smith trade was one of those moves, but they trade for Elijah Moore. They signed Dalvin Tomlinson. They 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 had they made moves. You know, Cincinnati, the AFC North champs, you know, this is their division until the Ravens take it back or somebody takes it back from them. So, you know, you got to respect that fact. The Cincinnati's run won this division and honestly run it two, two years in a row. So that's just what it is. They signed Orlando Brown Jr., They end up drafting Miles Murphy in the first round of the draft. So they've made some moves to kind of shore up their offense and and their defense in a couple ways, honestly, there. Then you have the Steelers, where they they made moves. They had a great draft. They get Broderick Jones at 14, Joey Porter Jr. at 32. They signed Patrick Peterson. And and they've they I mean, even Allen Robinson, you know, you're thinking, oh, Allen Robinson's washed, but I think there's a number three guy instead of a number one there in Los Angeles, or I guess number two. What am I saying? Cooper Cup is there. <laughs> totally forgot about Cooper Cup. But Cooper Cup is the number one, unquestioned. Don't get me wrong. Allen Robinson was number two. But as a number three guy, I think that, you know, that's a decently solid move. So Every team in that division has made moves. And then obviously, you know, I just, you can't forget about Baltimore. Odell Beckham Jr. comes in. Rocky has seen they, obviously the big one is they signed Lamar Jackson, but then they, they draft Zay Flowers. And they've, I think, done a great job also with their coaching staff. Where, you know, you talk about coaching moves. The Browns get rid of Joe Woods. They hire Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator. The Ravens get rid of Greg Roman. 
They hired Todd Munkin as their offensive coordinator. So these teams around the division, everybody's making moves. Everybody's trying to one up and better each, better each other. But what I will say is I do think the Ravens have built themselves for Cincinnati. At least you would hope. And I think I, I can fully say that if they make another move at corner. Because right now, you know, you, you kind of look at that Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd matchup. And you say, well, Marlon Humphrey's going to get one of them. Rocket Sin's going to get the other one. Is it going to be Kyle Hamilton in the slot? Is it going to be Marcus Peters on the outside? What, what are you going to do there? But you now have the ability, I think, especially with Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, assuming he stays, I think he will. He stays at least this year. But with those guys, the defensive line, and look, every every team has holes. Every single one does. You know, Cincinnati, their offensive line has improved, but I think depth on their offensive line is a little bit of an issue. For Cleveland, defensive line has been their kind of calling weakness for a little bit, just overall consistency. I think for a team like Pittsburgh, the offensive line was was their weakness as well. They kind of shored up a little bit with Roderick Jones and Isaac Samalu, but we'll see how those guys mesh together. For Baltimore, I think you look right now on their defensive line a little bit with the edge position and say, well, where is that production to come from? I think it's potential, though. It's like untapped potential where if those guys hit on their potential, it's going to be awesome. Like if the Ravens example of that is Adafe Owe and David Ajabo, right? If those two guys, I think there's a lot more pressure on Owe than Ajabo this year. But if those two guys can both hit on their potential and Owe can be a 10-sack guy and Ajabo can be, let's say, an 8-sack guy in the second season – that ups the Ravens' ceiling considerably. The Steelers' offensive line can mesh. If Cincinnati's offensive line can cannot have those depth issues and they can stay healthy for Cleveland, can their, can their defensive line mesh together? All these teams have certain weaknesses, but if they can hit on the potential, I don't. It's gonna be it's gonna be such a tough division. I think realistically, honestly, I, I would not be shocked if three teams make the playoffs in the division this year. You know, if I had to project those three teams. I'd probably say Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh, no particular order. But, you know, Cleveland just they have they have to prove it to me first. Honestly. I'm not sold on a Sean Watson. You know, he didn't really show me a lot last year. And Cleveland sold their soul to get him. So he has to be big for them because with the picks they gave up, that trade is still not they still owe a first round pick there. So, you know, I'm kind of going off on a Cleveland tangent, but I honestly, outside of the Deshaun Watson trade, I, I like what Andrew Berry does with his roster. I think Cincinnati has built a solid roster. Pittsburgh, I think all four of these teams have really big strengths. But I think Baltimore, they're they're going to be in the running for this division this year, 100%. They're going to be, I think all four teams will. But I think Baltimore does have a very good and realistic path to potentially dethroning those Cincinnati Bengals as the AFC North champs. But a lot of this does come down to health. And for Baltimore, there are some health questions. Obviously, for Odo Beckham, I know a lot of people look there and they say, well, you know, coming off the ACL, well, what's he going to be after having the year off? People also do look to Lamar Jackson, although those injuries did come both on throwing plays. They say, well, you know, Lamar got injured twice, you know, has, has missed the back half of both the past two years. I'm not going to call him injury prone right now, but I will say if he does get injured again and misses the rest of the year again, I think for a lot of people, those conversations will become a lot louder. So hopefully Lamar is able to stay healthy. But again, this is the NFL is a game. Football is a game where people get injured all the time. So I'm open for honestly, I'm hoping for health for everybody. Right. You know, I, I never want to see a player go down. I think the Ravens can be competitive, even if, you know, if, no, if nobody got injured. I think the Ravens can still be a super competitive football team. I, I like the way they've built their roster.
but it is not going to be easy. And that's why I say that first five week, six week stretch for them when they're playing, you know, those three AFC North divisional road games, they're going to have to get off to a fast start. You know, I, you know, I did project them. If you know, just, I, I will say it's a spoiler from my Friday show. I did project them to go one and two in their division to start the year. But if they can go four and two in those first six weeks and then run the table at home in the division, that's fine. Like, I think that's a fine way to do things. But again, like I think they split with Cincinnati. They split with Pittsburgh. I think they sweep Cleveland, but that's just where I am right now. And things can change over the course of time. Again, how do, how do all these teams build the rest of their rosters through the rest of free agency and the off season and, and how cap casualties will come and who do they let go of who gets injured, et cetera. But I think Baltimore's in a good spot. I do. I, I think, you know, <laughs> saying that back in March when Nelson Aguilar was their only signing, you're probably thinking, what, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> but I think they've done enough for sure. Lamar Jackson, that signing is huge. Odell, that signing is big too. Rocky SC and Zay Flowers. They've put themselves in a good spot to compete this year and for the future, honestly, as well. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, be sure to subscribe, follow along in audio form, and again, like the video in video form. When we get back here tomorrow, more Ravens content here. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.